Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to main? Should old acquaintance be forgot and days old lang syne? We'd twa herein about the breeze and put the goings fain, but we've wandered money a weary fit sin old lang syne. We'd twa he paddled it the bourne frae morning sun till day, but seas between us braid hid road sin old lang syne. And here's a hand, my trusty fear, and gives a hand of thine, and we'll tack a recht good willy wacht for old lang syne. And surely you'll be your paint stope, and surely I'll be mine, and we'll tack a cup of kindness here for old lang syne. For old lang syne, my dear, for old lang syne. We'll tack a cup of kindness yet for old Lang Syne. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about, now on patreon.com forward slash speak all evil, and welcome to 2021, season two of Speak All Evil starts now. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hey guys, how's it going? Hi. Great, how are you doing? Season two, so we're on a show that in between seasons we get one week of vacation. That's right. Yep. <laughs> it's a pressure cooker, man. You didn't get it's into a, this biz. Listen, the entertainment tough biz. Tough yeah. company. I'm sure you took the week off from horror movies, Kevin. I'm sure you were all. Uh, Wait, weren't I, you trying to watch every horror movie of 2020? That yeah. My my initial goal of watching, whenever I stumbled across the Rotten Tomatoes list in like October or November of at the time, what were the top 50? I made it through all but two of those, but then I actually just went and made a list of like 100 movies that came out in 2020, and I'm, I tried to get through all of those. I'm about 70 movies deep. Wow. I'm waiting for the spinoff podcast, the Coven Kenny spinoff. I think that Kevin has- uh um, going to go solo. Yeah, I think you could do two solo. more a week at least, yeah. <laughs> he could release a podcast every hour. <laughs> Don't give him any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I oh, I will say this. I did watch Hunter Hunter today, Dave. Wow. Oh yeah. Wow. Good, huh? Wow. So this week and next, we are kind of doing a uh, year in review of 2020, um, the good parts, and. Kevin and Dave have selected a couple 2020 movies for us this week. Kevin, what did you bring to the table for us? I brought the 2020 film Amulet, which is a British horror film, directed, written and directed by Romola Garai. Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. We'll just get 2021 started with a massive apology mm. for pronunciations just right <laughs> away. Uh, she's actually better known as an, an actress in the UK, so this is her first time delving into writing and directing a feature film. But essentially, 
you have a former soldier from an undisclosed war who has now become an immigrant in, I believe it's London, and he's homeless, he's down on his luck, and he is taken in by a nun to go stay at this house with a young woman who is caring for a very ill mother that stays on the third floor. You get some flashbacks to some things that happened during his time in the war, and other than that, I don't know how to synopsize this movie because it is all over the fucking map. So what did you guys think of Amulet? Wow. What a movie. Um, what I thought was going to start out to be just like a spooky haunted house uh, turned into something so, so much more. Uh, as the film moves along, things start to unravel, I will say. Uh, the pace is very slow, so it takes the full hour and a half to kind of fully come to fruition, fully understand what's going on. But when you do, it's, it's just so much better than I could have expected. Uh, you start the film thinking that Tomas is just this misunderstood former soldier down on his luck who's immigrated to England and trying to start a new life and escape his past. But lucky for us, he can't. Uh, the film is beautifully shot, I thought. I really liked the quick cut scenes. They were very, they kind of kept me like on the edge of my seat a little bit. So I was like, what now, where are we? Um, there's just enough gore for me uh, and jump scares. I got jump scared a couple times. I woke my cat up with a little yelp. Um, <laughs> that was cute. Um, but it, the, uh, I just, uh, like, the end was so, it took such a turn, and then it was very weird. I didn't really understand what was going on, which I feel like is a lot of the times in these movies. And then I kind of listened to what you guys say and I'm like, oh great, that's what was happening. But once I realized what was going on and I was just like, yes, get him, get him so good. Um, Kevin, I'm very happy you picked this movie. I'm very happy you made me watch it. I was a big fan. This is essentially the same story as, uh, well not the same story, the same, structure as the movie I picked this week. They're both uh, movies that are kind of, they reveal the past and kind of like, you know, pull the curtain back on where this character has come from. Um, I, I absolutely love this movie. I feel like that, that a lot of the tropes that are in movies are like the guideline, like prerequisite rules about like vampires and demons and ghosts and uh like heaven and hell that that stuff for me like gives me like this familiar familiar feeling that's almost comforting and that's like the last thing i want when i go see a horror movie is to be comforted <laughs> so i appreciate it when a movie goes off from that and it's like oh there's a bat but there's not a vampire um or and the the demon possession in this is a is a fresh take to say the least um yeah, I loved it. I, I love uh, creepy old people, old houses, uh, folklore, karma. Uh, this was definitely um, on my top list of 2020. Not my number one, but right up there. It, it reminded me of Cronenberg a lot. Uh, it, it reminded me of Cronenberg. It reminded me of uh, The Exorcist. Um, and um, what was the other thing I was just thinking of? Uh, 
it reminded me of Sleepaway Camp. Oh, yeah. That's a good call. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can just hear that grenade go around the table, uh, the virtual table. <laughs> took a second. <laughs> I, that, that, no, I, I, it did not take me a second. I immediately had the image flash before my eyes because I'll never yeah. be able to unsee it. I, I was trying to be, you know, like discreet, uh, but, you know, the dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought this was a great one. I love this. Uh, this is on Hulu right now, and I have seen a bunch of great movies on Hulu from 2020. That's um, a platform that I tend to neglect a little bit sometimes because we all have so many of these places where we can watch stuff and we all share them. So it's kind of endless. And Hulu is one that I don't get to as much, but this is another great one that um, is on Hulu right now. This is British, I believe you said, Kevin. And I thought that this was similar to a number of other movies that we watched, but we've talked about, especially when we're watching foreign films, we've talked about how often history is woven into those films and this idea and maybe i think one reason why this might be more prevalent it seems to us when we watch foreign movies their history is longer than america's and i think that there's i think that might lend to the fact that they kind of weave more of of these sort of historical ideas or these kind of like there's always like this past haunting it's always this like kind of the, the past is always looking over your shoulder. And I think in some cases, that past isn't like last year. That past isn't a decade ago or 50 years ago. The past could be like 100 years ago. But there's a longer legacy, I think, to draw from. And I thought this movie did that very well. Definitely kept me guessing. Uh, I thought the flashback stuff was kind of confusing. They did a good job of um, Tomas looks older in the present day so I wasn't sure it took me a little while to be 100% sure that I was the same guy that I was seeing from his earlier experiences in the war which was like not doing anything although he like guarded a he guarded some like road in the woods basically. Yeah, like he guarded Just, a telephone yeah. booth in the middle of the woods <laughs> yeah like read books and dug holes to shit in the woods job. and found amulets and things like that. So uh, I thought it worked great. Uh, I was along for the ride. It's I would call it a little bit different. I don't think that this is like standard off-the-rack horror stuff. Yeah, I would argue that the amulet found him. Hey, now. I think that was kind of the point where they, they didn't really explain why he was there, what he was doing. Uh, he's just, just kind of drawn to the amulet. He wasn't just kind of mining through the, gr the ground there. Cause it, that was kind of unclear. But I thought he was digging a, a poop hole. Yeah, but he picked I, I that one spot, and it just so happened to have that right. amulet in the poop hole. Uh, the old amulet in the poop hole. <laughs> <laughs> Classic horror trope. <laughs> Classic horror trope. So cliche. Well, I was excited to everything you just talked about, Sean. I was excited to research historical meaning and where they're pulling this amulet from. What is the symbology it's all fucking made up. There's nothing there. Just another disappointed Kevin getting ready to spend hours in a rabbit hole, and that hole was only as deep as the poop hole. Oh. But I, but I like that because it's like, you know, nothing you've heard before. Like I was saying, the unfamiliar. Um, 
you know, because you, you can't immediately associate that with, oh, this is that part of the Bible, and I know how that goes, so I kind of have an idea what's, what's happening here, you know what I mean? Just because there wasn't a specific uh, historical reference, like, I still think that it was very much about the ghosts of war and the ghosts of deeds past intersecting with personal ghosts. Obviously, I think there was a pretty strong Me Too angle to this, and I thought it was almost um, combining the ideas of the ghosts of the of, of the war that we've talked about that before. What did you do in the war? Where were you? What what uh, what is in your past before now? Before everything was settled. Uh, and I think the same questions linger a lot of times over ideas like the Me Too movement. People are coming to reckon for things that they might have done years ago or in what felt like to them another life, and those things don't leave you. Well, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really at the end of the day, I think what the movie is really about is deciding if you can actually forgive yourself for something you did and whose hands is that power in. And Tomas has this amazing quote where he says, before your God, the ancients, they didn't believe that you could forgive yourself. It wasn't yours to give. And in that one sentence, because I watched this when it first came out because Dave was hype on it. He was on one of his, his texts, you know, hey, have you watched Amulet? Did you watch Amulet? So I watched Amulet. And I think it was like a $7 rental or something on Prime. So I'm, I'm lucky, though. I'm actually really happy that I watched this when it first hit streaming because on second viewings, you pick up so much more because you're not spending the whole movie going, what the fuck's happening? What the fuck's <laughs> happening? Oh, my God, that's what's happening. So you miss a lot of the clues in the beginning. But that one sentence, the second on my second viewing, the second he said it, I had to pause the movie and write that down because I was like, that is the entire gist of the Amulet is one, if you want to forgive yourself, how do you go about doing it? And two, is it even your right to forgive yourself? Do you have the power to bestow forgiveness upon yourself? No. I'm glad you're talking about forgiveness, Kevin. Because <clears throat> all this guilty weight here has uh, got me thinking about something that I'd like to talk to you about that is weighing on my conscience. <laughs> I believe you let me use your HBO password and I believe I may have upgraded you for you to <laughs> HBO Max. Um, I just accidentally clicked a button and it opened this whole world of movies, which was wonderful and distracting from the actual deed that I had done. Um, so whatever, when you get that bill or whatever, just lose my number. <laughs> no, I, I had actually done that already. Oh, okay. I thought it was me. No, I think what I think the kind of TVs that we have, they didn't have a contract with HBO Max, so we were stuck on the old HBO app. So we talk about this the HBO world here a lot. Yeah, how confusing it is. It's very confusing. Yeah, they they have a serious identity issue. And HBO now is not there anymore. Right. It's, so it's right? only HBO or HBO Max. But we just got HBO our, then. our TVs just got up upgraded to max which is why all those wonderful movies for instance like house that trent and i just talked about on patreon all these old movies it's like 20 godzilla flicks it's pretty dope there's a lot of great horror out right now um yeah i i was i feel like i was betrayed personally by tomas's character because i loved him 
I thought he was a very attractive little man with his little beard. And I was like, oh, he's been through a lot. You know, it's probably hard being in war. And then I go almost the whole movie, like, sympathizing with this man and, like, wanting to hang out. And he's, like, cute, whatever. And then he, it takes that turn. And I'm immediately, like... I am so done with this movie. Like, I immediately, like, a smile came across my face, and I was just like, whatever fucking happens to him, I'm fine with. If he wants to get stabbed in the cheek through a doorknob hole, that can happen to him, too. Like, whatever. And then everything that I ever wanted to happen to him happened. And so I feel like I was betrayed at first. And then then it took a turn, and I was like, oh, okay cool and then just like i don't want to spoil anything but that end scene with that woman at first i was like is he the is he the new you know magda i thought he was like taking that place but oh no magda's still there and she's fucking taking care of business and she's gonna feed that asshole fucking shitty gas station food for the rest of his stupid little life so she has that scene you're talking about at the end has this the second best line i think in the movie and it's just two words and it's when magda just looks at the woman and just says never forget and you know and that's one of my new year's resolutions is to try and let things go I'm taught, you know, maybe I don't need to burn every bridge maybe i you know i'm going to make room for others to grow is how Jimmy has worded it for me. I'm going to make room for others to grow, and I'm going to give people second chances. But I fucking don't forget anything. And so that mm. when she fucking dropped those words, I was like, Magda. So that's all I, I support say. that for you, Kat. I, I think that's a good, a good idea. You know, not, not everything is a heinous war crime. And that's what you get. <laughs> You know, in this movie, it's shocking when you realize what Tomas did. I was shocked because it, he is a sympathetic character. Um, a little different from, you know, not a heinous war crime. So I, I just want to say I, I support you in that effort. Thank you. I'm going to murder. I'm going to murder more <laughs> and drink less water. <laughs> I'm going to do a heinous war crime. That's my goal. That's a New Year's resolution. We haven't gotten into the actors. We keep, you know, mentioning the names. So Magda is played by uh, Carla Jury. She's a Swiss actress, and she knocks it out of the park. She is the woman tasked with taking care of this ill mother at this dilapidated house. Uh, Tomas, who we keep talking about, the main male character, Alex Sekarano, who is Romanian, and I didn't recognize a damn thing on his filmography. Also a great job. But what you have is you have Imelda Staunton here, Sister Claire. This woman is such an accomplished actress. She's an English actress. She is so accomplished. I don't, so what I'm about to say, I don't want everybody listening to be like, but what about all these amazing theater things and, and serious movies she's done? Here's the reason she is fucking amazing. Because if you watch the, if you read the Harry Potter books and you watch the Harry Potter movies, there is a character, Dolores Umbridge, who, as you're reading the book, you hate this character so much, and you can't wait to see who plays her in the movies. It is Imelda Staunton. It is one of the all-time greatest performances of a move, a book being adapted to a movie. She is unbelievable, and I also love her in this. She's so fucking good in this. Mm-hmm. 
I'm sorry. Is this is this the Goosebumps appreciation podcast? <laughs> you just cut out that Harry Potter bit when you edit it, Trent. I don't want no. people to think Listen. we're soft. People who have watched, who have read I and get watched, I got these you, will Kevin. Agree I got with me. you. The second that that movie came out, I was like, I have never seen somebody better cast to play someone in a book. The moment she came on the screen, I was like, it's Umbridge. I was just like, it's instantaneous. You just know her. You love her. Trent, did you recognize Miriam? Angelica Papulia? No, I didn't. The Greek actress? Uh, the lobster, Dogtooth. Oh, my. Wow. She's a favorite of your boy. Interesting. So we talk about a lot of these movies and the minimal casts in both of the movies that we're going to talk about tonight, minimal casts. I really like it. But what it really shows you is the pressure on the cast. If you only have four or five people to look at in a movie, one person's poor performance could really break it apart, especially a movie as slowly paced as this one. So hats off to the cast. Hats off to Garai for her direction in steering this cast. There wasn't an unbelievable moment on screen. My, my hat was already off. Is that okay? Is that, is that the same as a put kudo? It, put it back on and take it different? off again. Okay, thank you. Taking mine off right now. There you go. You put it back on. Your head looks uh, better. No. Starting off 2021 like like champions. We found out that we're huge in Italy. We all got a bunch of new gear. Like the production here is off the chain. Like, Kat, I like your new rig there. That looks very fancy. Thank you. We got microphones. We got everything. We're a real podcast out there if you guys didn't know. That's Speak right. all evil. We finally all have microphones. <laughs> it's not just cat sitting on the floor. <laughs> it's a major award. IPhone. It's a major award. Mm. Big day. So uh, we're counting down, not counting down. <laughs> we're just uh, we're just talking about our favorite picks uh, for 2020, uh, and my personal favorite horror movie of 2020 is His House. Uh, a Netflix movie directed by Remy Weeks. Um, it deals with PTSD, immigration, sexism, classism, spirituality, equality. Uh, it's the story of refugees fleeing Sudan, uh, Bol and Rial, and their daughter, <laughs> Niyagak, who does uh, not make the journey across the English Channel. She dies. Um, they're being processed uh, through uh, immigration once they get to England. Um, Matt Smith plays the uh, social worker that's handling their case. And 
Uh, of course, my dog is Queen Elizabeth. Um, Matt Smith plays King Philip in The Crown, which I'm a huge fan of. Mm. Um, he plays a young King Philip, um, and, and I like him as an actor. But he plays like their uh, their social worker. He's handling the case, and they're granted probational asylum in what looks like the outskirts of London um, in like a housing tenement. Uh, they get this huge house, but it's very run down. Um, they're given a food per diem and they're prohibited from working or earning money in any other way other than this like allowance they get. Um, and then shit starts getting weird. Um, Ball and Rial are visited by um, a folklore character called uh, the Night Witch or the Apeth. And um, the Apeth is just kind of kind of this big, like scary, dark karma monster. It actually was very reminiscent of uh, a Christmas Carol um, that we just talked about. Um, so this movie, you know, is driven along by slowly revealing the past through flashbacks and hallucinations. Uh, like we were talking about, both movies uh, do that, like slow reveal of the past. Uh, so you kind of don't get to know the characters to the end or get to know the true character, um, which is kind of like real life. Um, and I think this movie's acted perfectly. I think it looks beautiful. It's scary as fuck. And uh, you even get teared up at a different point. Um, and I think it, most importantly, we often talk about movies not hitting the mark um, when there's some you know, social commentary, something important to say, a voice, you turn your movie into a podium and it's going to raise our expectations. Um, this movie does that uh, and I think pulls it off in like a very uh, empathetic way. Um, it, this movie has a lot of feeling, uh, but it still is very scary. Uh, I, I definitely think some of the images from this movie were like the scariest of all year. Like the little glimpses and stuff were so creepy. What'd you guys think? I loved his house. Uh, this is on Netflix right now. This is another British movie, and there are a lot of similarities with Amulet. And I believe this is another first-time director in Remy Weeks. I could be yep. wrong, Kevin. No, you're yeah, right. He first had a time. couple other minor things. Um, I think this is easily the most important and most relevant horror movie of 2020. I think, th I've and I've never really... I guess in, in this like contemporary fashion, I don't know that I've seen anything really address displacement issues, global displacement issues. And I think that the, the global displacement crisis, the migrant crisis, whatever you want to call it, is the number one most important issue facing humanity along with global warming or climate change. And... Uh, I, I don't think it takes much imagination to envision the coming intersection between climate change and displacement. What's going to happen is that less and less of the earth is going to be inhabitable and more and more people are going to be displaced. And at some point, the rubber starts meeting the road even more than it already is now. And you can see, and we've talked about, the rise in fascism around the world, um, the rise in xenophobia, the rejection of people from different places who look different, who have had different experiences. And this movie addresses some of that full on, which I thought was 
really refreshing and I think it's really important. I think it's something that for those of us that live long enough, I think that we're going to be seeing a lot more of that. And that was my favorite thing about this movie. Not something I think we've seen much of in the past, unless you get like very, very generalized with it. This, this brought it, I think it's a much more like specific today focus. Well, what was interesting about this movie or powerful is you have this couple from South Sudan, you know, trying to establish this new life and, you know, already feeling kind of out of place. And you have uh, Rial, who was played by Wunmi Masaku, who just had a stunning appearance in Lovecraft Country as Ruby. She, if you haven't seen Lovecraft Country, watch it just for her. She's so awesome. Oh. In that. And, and she is sort of, she misses home. She, she wants to bring their culture with them. She wants to settle down, but but stay with the traditions that that they brought with them. Where Bull, portrayed uh, portrayed by this is not going to go well, Sope Derizu, <laughs> he wants to fully assimilate. You know, there's really powerful scenes where Bull is in a clothing store and he literally looks at a gigantic oh, ad on the wall in the store and he goes and buys the exact outfit. And he wants to go to the pub and sing English football songs. And, you know, he's making them eat with forks. And Rial is like, all I can taste is the metal. There's just, there's so much depth to this movie. But one of the most powerful scenes to me is when Rial wanders out for the first time on her own. She runs into a group of black British kids. And they start telling her to go back to her fucking country. Like, that to me was just like, Wow. You know, for the for a movie this scary, firmly entrenched in the horror genre, it it could be this is a this is a really prime movie to have a really bad synopsis that doesn't actually let you know. You know, like, you know, couple moves into haunted house. Uh, it, for a movie this scary and this in depth to just quickly throw a scene like that in there and have those five seconds be just as powerful as some of the amazing scares, you know. Hats off. Hats off, everybody. I'll just stick with kudos. <laughs> Cujos. Uh, once I read the synopsis, I knew that this movie was probably going to be hitting me in the feels. Um, my severe abundance of empathy while watching horror movies often leads to me being very stressed and emotional, which is nothing different from my normal life. But... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> This was absolutely the case uh, while watching this movie. Uh, just putting yourself in the shoes of the two main characters as they you know, try to escape a war in their home is heartbreaking enough, and then you add in the horror of something otherworldly, and it makes for a very effective horror film. I thought the actors that played Bull and Rial were absolutely amazing. They really drew you in and made you feel the pain of what they were going through being forced to leave their culture and, uh, you know, assimilate to the British culture that they're now being, you know, forced to try and do. There's a moment when Matt Smith's character tells them to be one of the good ones, uh, referring to immigrants of color, basically, in order for them to not be deported. And Ball references this 
throughout the film a lot that they're the good ones. And it's just so heartbreaking to me because like you don't have to be good. Like you can just be a normal person who makes mistakes and isn't perfect or good even. You could be terrible, but you still deserve a life where you're safe. And it just broke my heart. And you just see it like in Rial where she's like, I don't want to be one of the good ones. Like I just want to I just want to go back to normal but be safe. Well, um, I feel like uh Matt Smith was also assimilating. You yeah, know, like he was he was lo- lower class white and he had talked about uh they all talk about how his house is bigger than mine. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Place. Yeah, but it's fucking run but, down. Like it's haunted. Like you can't Cuz he's kind of like being a shit heel and delivering all this like really, you know, uh you know, not great stuff, but he's trying to be a, a friend to this guy. So I'm like always kind of torn by that, by his character in this. Yeah. He like would put on a, fra- a face for like the other, you know, white dudes in the office. Those are all like staring at him. And he's like, oh, well, I have to report this because, you know, now everyone's looking at him. I, don't, I just thought it was, you know, it was a look into the racism that people are experiencing every day, like constantly, while also having that element of supernatural horror. So I just I thought it was a really good horror film, and it I did cry. Obviously, come on. The part the part where they're running after the the the, oh the bus. Oh right? my god! Oh, you cried again! Ah! Stop. You, I'm a crier anyway. I like the supernatural element of it, and I think, you know, I'm sure it's been done before, but this movie really nails it where, you know, it's a haunted house movie, but it flips it on its head, and it's you brought the haunt to the house, and you need yes. to figure out what it is. And, and just to just to tack on a few more of the subtleties that you just hit on, Kat, um, in, in the clothing store scene that I was previously talking about, it's just a glimpse, but, like, there's like one second where you notice the security guards watching him. And there's just so yeah. many little things like that in this movie. But but from from a horror perspective, I do love, you know, just like Amulet, we're, we're, we're bouncing back and forth in time. I think his house even twisted a little bit more to make it confusing. But I love that the whole movie, you're trying to figure out, you know, what is the haunt? And when it's revealed, it, it's, I mean, honestly... I, I found this movie scarier upon second watch because, again, you're trying to figure out the movie the entire time the first watch. It is such a powerful and simple ending that I think I forgot about how scary it was. So second watch, when I was just sitting there knowing the story, looking for clues, it scared the shit out of me even more than the first time I watched it. It really gets under your skin. There is so much going on, and there is a ton of traditional horror stuff, like right from the get-go. You have a harbinger in the detention center room where they're staying. You have, instead of the guy at the gas station, you have the guy on the on the next caught over being like, don't get yeah. your hopes up. They're just going to send you back. You know, that was like the gas station guy. Um, there's a, so many uh, American horror movies that it reminded me of. Even like obscure stuff like Barton Fink, one of my favorite movies from a long time ago by the Coen brothers, The Peeling Wallpaper, that whole kind of vibe and like trying to tear up the walls. Um, it really does everything and it keeps you constantly in a state of tension because there's a tension between the couple. Ball wants to assimilate as hard as he possibly can and Rial just wants to eat dinner on the floor with her hands like they've always done. 
and it's heartbreaking and it really illustrates a lot of, you know, I think for um, a state like Maine, I think people might be surprised how much experience we have with displaced communities coming here. There's been like a fair amount of that activity, at least in the quote unquote bigger cities in Maine, which are just small towns anywhere else. But um, you hear the sentiments like we talked about the guys at the welfare office or whatever saying, well, he has a bigger house than me. They really got it all. They got it made. They get all this food. You know, you hear that. I've heard it a million times. There's always this like very irrational, um, very like hateful fear that somebody else might be getting more than you. Somebody might come here from away and they, they're getting more than you. They're getting more than they deserve. Why should they have a house, a big house like that? Oh, I'm struggling to pay my bills. I mean, I really think that that's a pretty key thing that you have to get over if you want to just like be remotely decent, in my opinion. And I also, I think there's a lot of survivor guilt in this. And I thought that was very interesting. I thought a lot of what went on was, you know, there is a literal story, but I think there's also a, a bigger sort of picture of survivor guilt of wondering why are we here? Why did we make it? We left so many people behind. So many people didn't make it. Why do we deserve this? And do we even want this? Yes, we we're running for our lives, but you know, there are so many conflicts going on. And I think that, you know, the more people that can try to understand that, the reality of that and, and not worry about like thinking that they have a, better apartment than you or something you know the better good they deserve a better apartment like they've been through so much mm -hmm. shit like so much more shit than you probably have shitty white dude like give them the the victoria mansion i don't fucking give a shit they can move in with me you see that you see that work too i mean any of us that have been on a job site it's the same thing it's like oh why did so-and-so get that raise or why did so-and-so get that promotion like i mean it's all mm -hmm. based on you know how, how what you were born into and, and how tough you've had it. I mean, I, I don't want to ever for one second think about being born in South Sudan and going through a civil war or a genocide. So, yeah, do those people deserve a roof over their head? Well, fucking yes. They're human beings and they're not going to get it in South Sudan. I mean, it, you know, another quick scene is, is where Rial shows that she has both tribes Yes. You know, like yes. carved into her oh, body God. so that she can hopefully, you know, kind of play both sides if she's captured by either one. I mean, yeah, it's 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 really big like that. Um, but I also I also really like the angle of how subtly they keep talking and, and they being Rial and Bull, they keep talking about how they have a debt to pay. And that is you. The survivor guilt thing is perfect because I think that's what you're sort of like kind of lulled into thinking like what is this debt they have to pay and when you realize it at the end it just blows your mind you're like holy mm -hmm. shit my uh my baby mama as you guys know is an african refugee and uh a lot of her friends are and i've heard you know crazy stories of what people have to do to just get to safety in in certain circumstances and they often vary and uh it, it's a terrifying uh, thing that people kind of look the other way to. So it's really cool that this movie, uh, you know, used that voice and used the horror platform to, you know, this is like a huge movie on Netflix. And now, um, 
you know, you, you get a sense of what people go through, um, especially um, that these are families um, or, or just the lengths that people will go to um, to get to safety or get their family to safety. And I can't, I want to spoil this movie so bad, but I'm not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is so easy to see it right on Netflix. We want people to watch it if they haven't seen it. And it hasn't gotten, I really haven't seen much hype other than Dave, you're recommending it. And and it's been very well received uh, from what I understood, but this isn't one that like, if you follow the various horror sites and stuff, this isn't one that was being cranked at you by any means at all. Yeah, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't heard anything about it. And I was like looking for like new releases all the time. And then all of a sudden I just clicked on it. And I think it it, it made a lot of both horror and non-horror best of 2020 movie lists. Because when I was, you know, trying to make sure I didn't miss anything that came out in 2020, I was going through the best of list, best of list, uh, horror, non-horror, and his house got a lot of hype. So maybe that hasn't translated into casual horror viewing. But again, we talk about being a horror fan, and there's sort of different, I don't want to say tiers, because it's not like we're on the platform or anything, but just sort of people that consume the genre differently. And I think some people really like the Freddies and the Jasons and the camp, and they want to stay there. I mean, this is elevated social commentary horror. This might not be for your dude that collects Funko toys and VHS tapes and Michael Myers masks. Like, this is not really kind of, probably not going to speak to some of the genre fans. And I'm not putting anybody down. I'm one of those as well. I have... Horror collections. I love. I can testify. He is one of those. It's true. He's not insulting you. <laughs> but I also, you know, definitely love a movie like this when it comes on. This this is undisputably the best horror movie of 2020. I don't. I don't. Even the other three that we're going to talk about, I don't think they come close to this one. I think the effects and the monsters and stuff actually make it uh, accessible mm-hmm. uh, because I mean it's no more dr- dramatic than like Hereditary. Yeah, well, let's um, put it this way. The the light switch scene is the scariest scene of the year for me in any movie I watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, scary. you know, the Apeth, the witch that you talked about, Dave, um, that's actually from the Dinka people who Rial and Bol are from, are, are Dinkas. They believe that this, this ape, the Apeth or the, or the night witch is misfortunes that humans bring directly upon each other without any spells or magic or anything. So essentially what they're saying is this haunting is something humans can bestow upon other humans without any supernatural element to it. Yeah, and similar, um, this is almost like a flip side of Amulet when you get into the sins of the past and the sins of the wars but there are two very, very different perspectives on two very different sins. It is very brutal, though. The, the, the His house sin is not to be taken lightly, but it is, it's a different look, I think, at a similar uh, yet very different element as you have an amulet. Also, this um, had shades of Get In, the French movie that we talked about back on Home Invasion, which in yeah. France is called Fury, but it reminded me of Get In quite a bit, which is also on Netflix, and I highly recommend. Well, I, I know that some of the uh, the listeners now have been accustomed to uh, me writing jokes 
And um, when I found out these people were dinking, I, I wrote a joke. Uh, Kevin, knock, knock. Who's there? <coughs> dinkin'. <laughs> <laughs> dinkin' who? Uh, I mean, I think you know the rest, Kevin. <laughs> I, I'm not... I, <laughs> I might have to. What? <laughs> Dink in your mouth. Oh. Dink in your ass. I get it. Dink yeah. in your kitchen cupboard. That's funny. It's no deez nuts. I, we, we, I know, I know. We got we got deep this week. I felt I had to bring some yeah, non-comic this was a relief. This was a serious episode. Non-comedic relief. Yeah. <laughs> well, serious, the best of 2020. But these were both uh, folk horror and they were both very, very similar. I think that this is uh, a genre that that we like. It, the rituals also like this, but from like another part of the world. But a lot of lo- lot of folk horror. Mm. Shout out to the actual witch Javier Bote. We talked about him mm. in Wreck. Uh, he was also in Mama, Slenderman, Crimson Peak, It, The Conjuring oh, wow. Two. He's the he's the actor with Marfan syndrome. So oh, he gets I had played no idea. to do all these crazy crazy roles so yeah shout out Javier yeah the the witch at the end reminded me of a creature from another movie though but i couldn't remember what it was probably wreck yeah maybe oh right that night vision thing at the end of wreck right yeah you might be right oh yeah very similar yeah that that might be it make sure you tune in next week for the best of 2020 Part two. Well, what are we talking about next week? Well, next week, we're going to be talking about The Lodge and Possessor. God damn. (laughs) So this week, we had two movies that are both feature debuts. Next week, we're talking about uh, two movies that are these directors' second feature debuts. Wow. We planned this perfectly. All coincidence, but don't you love it when the dominoes fall? (laughs) (laughs) Take the credit. Coincidence, my ass. These movies are the perfect (laughs) pair. Okay. Well, I'm just going to start like ranting about xenophobia or something. Unless, Kevin, you you want to do an info dump? (laughs) No, I'm good. I'm good. I just wanted to make sure that Javier Bote got shouted out. (laughs) (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha.